0: So don't forget, next week, come on out and invite someone, bring someone. They'll be singing more, the children will be ministering. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody out this morning. trust you've had a good week. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. We're going to continue... Part 2 of our message, The Comfort of His Coming. The Comfort of His Coming. Aren't you glad Jesus is coming a second time? Amen? And we're celebrating that first trip, and thank God for that. Got to that cross so that you and I could be forgiven. But now He's going to come a second time and get us out of this mess. That sounds pretty good too. Amen? Amen. First Thessalonians 4. Look at verse 13 with me. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned about those who fall asleep. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you. That we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout or a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the cloud. To meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Father, we thank You for these encouraging words. We thank You for this great blessed hope that we have. And we thank You that it is drawing closer every day. And You're giving us grace to walk this walk of faith until then. In Jesus' name and God's people said... The comfort of his coming. This is part two of our sermon. This young church in Thessalonica, they were confused about the role, if any, that the believers who had already died in the Lord would take place at the coming of the Lord. They were concerned about their loved ones, fellow Christians. Now, they believed the first part of verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, but they failed to grasp um, what else would unfold at the coming of the Lord. They were battling confusion. They were battling sorrow. And Paul writes these six verses to encourage and to comfort their hearts and our hearts as well. Our outline, very simple. Number one was Revelation. Number two was Return. Number three, Rapture. And number four, Reunion. Last week, we covered number one, revelation. In verses 13 and 15a, 15a is an interesting verse. It says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you. I like how the New King James would say, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. You see, our teaching and our doctrine, our belief system comes not from man or philosophies of man, not from the opinion or the counsels of men, but the word of the Lord. And Paul starts out with a revelation. What we know is not something we conjured up or think we invented, but it's what God the Almighty has revealed to those that have ears to hear and eyes to see. So Paul begins his message of encouragement by delivering the readers from the grief and the sorrow, the mystery experienced by the rest of men that have no hope. They do not have a blessed assurance that when they close their eyes here, they open them in the presence of the Lord. He speaks of those that don't understand that Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And if you're in Christ, so have you. So Christian, you don't have to worry about death and the life after. Because you have been given a clear revelation from God. The Almighty has clearly spoken to us. So as we said last week, why settle for human speculation when we have divine revelation? You see, as Christians... We have received the light of God's revelation. With salvation comes revelation. The new birth. We're new creatures. There's spiritual understanding and instruction. Our hearts and our minds have been illuminated by God's Spirit. And we have been instructed by God's Word. So in all facets of life, and this is what we stressed last time. In all facets of life, we can know God's ways. We can understand God's will. We can be instructed by His Word. And we can apply His truth. This is important. Don't just look, if you're a young person or a young Christian, don't just look at your Bible as something that tells you religious stories and how to get to heaven someday if you're up to the task. No, 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 no. That Bible is the Word of the living God. In every facet of your life, God will give you instruction and encouragement. He'll give you promises to believe and commandments to obey. He'll show you how to live your life, whether it's in your family or your finances, whether it's in your emotions or it's in your work, force, God will speak to you and show you how to build a life that the living God will bless and honor. Blessed be His name. Again, as a child of God, because we have revelation, His light is shined in our heart. His Word has been given to us to guide us and to teach us. Because we have revelation, as a child of God, you are not lacking or limited And anything you need to live this life properly. Second Peter one and three. Second Peter one and three says it so well. He he has his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him who calls us by His own glory and goodness. It's a done deal when you got saved and the Spirit of the Lord came to take up residence in you. God has given you everything you need to live this life effectively. To know the goodness of God. And to walk in the fullness of what the Lord has in store for His people. The power of God has given us an inward understanding and then the word of God gives us an outward instruction so we can live accurately and live productively. Not like those that don't know God that are always shooting themselves in the foot or believing the lie or being in darkness, but we can have the light of God's word. Psalm 119 and 105, the psalmist said it so well. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. In a time when there was no electricity, there's no street lights, there's no headlights, and when it's dark, it's dark. But the psalmist says, in the darkest of the world, when I have Your Word, I have a light that guides me, a light that keeps me from stumbling and falling into the ditch, into the traps of the enemy. And as a child of God, not only do we have this power within, we have His Word without to walk in the light and to walk effectively, productively in this life and in the life to come. Can you say amen? amen. We've got the witness within. We've got a pattern out, And we've got a Savior who goes before us. And as we follow Him, Jesus said, John 8 and verse 12, He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. By God's revelation, it's important that we are Year this has of that. We do this because we read that. We, we we live this way because that has clearly spoken and given us instruction and given us revelation. So by God's revelation of knowing Christ and understanding His Word, we can build for blessing. We can battle for victory. And we can enjoy life in that more abundantly. We can build for blessing. That's what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, the 7th chapter. He says, when you hear this Word and you obey this Word, you're like a person that builds their house in a solid foundation. So strong a foundation that even though the storms come like anyone else, that house is secure. That house is strong. Why? Because you've taken the revelation of God's Word and you've applied it to the reality in the everyday of your life. And you create a life that is strong, steadfast, secure, forever and forevermore. And He said beyond that, when you have to fight the battles of life, you are not without weaponry. You are not without the ability to fight this fight of faith. As he said in Ephesians the 6th chapter, when you put on that armor of God, don't you forget the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. And with that sword you can speak against that adversary. With that sword you can proclaim the will and the Word of God into your situation. And above all when you walk with Jesus, he says the thief might have come to steal and to destroy and to mess with your marriage and mess with your health but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly oh somebody bless his name revelation revelation Paul says let's begin to deal with our fears and to deal with our confusions not by trying to get emotionally this or not trying to look to man for that but let's go back to the clear word and instruction of the Lord let's build on that number two he said return return Jesus is coming again Verses 14 through 17. Now, the return of the Lord should be a great comfort and a motivation for the Christian. Concerning their struggle, we we learn that those that have gone before us, they're coming with Him. They're coming with Him. So don't be confused or sorrowful if you're a believer. Jesus is coming again. And because He's coming again, you and I must be ready to meet Him. A choice must be made to receive and live for Christ. Wednesday night we brought home that truth. Uh, God has given us the power to choose. You, You can choose. You can choose to go to heaven. You can choose to... Power to choose. You make the choice. God won't choose for you. He'll enforce your choice once you make it. He'll honor your choice once you make it. But He won't make it. What a power we have in choosing. We have to make choices. This is the time of year a lot of these guys out hunting. They're out hunting. Guys, gals, they're out hunting. They're shooting arrows. They're shooting guns. And so I got thinking of some of them. And I read this story. A group of friends, they went out deer hunting. Season opened up. And they separated into pairs for the day. And by nightfall, one hunter returned alone. He was staggering under the weight of an 8-pound buck. The other hunter said, hey, where's Harry? Where's Harry? The man told him, man, Harry, he fell. He, he, He dropped out a couple miles back the trail. They said, they couldn't believe it. They said, you mean to tell me you left Harry lying there all by himself and you carried this deer back? The man said, yeah, I know it was a tough call, but I figured, huh, who's going to steal Harry? <laughs> <laughs> they'll take that eight-pointer if no one's around. You know that. <laughs> you know they'll take that eight-pointer, that's for sure. Nobody wants Harry. <laughs> the wife didn't want him. No, no, I don't want Harry. Life is full of choices, isn't it? Tell your neighbor, life is full of choices. Now, you might mess up on the choice of um, zig or zag or steak or fish. You might miss a lot of choices, but I'll tell you something. One choice you better get right. Have you chosen to give your life to Jesus? And have you chosen to serve Him faithfully and unashamed? That's the choice. The deer hunter had to choose, and you and I have to make a choice. And I pray, you're here this morning, you've made the right choice. No more wavering. The Bible says, choose you this day. Why this day? Because today is the day where the arms of God are open wide. Today is the day. It's called the day of grace where God will take you no matter what you've done or how many times you mess up today, this moment in time. It's a time when God will receive you. Whosoever will, if you'll come, He'll forgive you. If you'll give Him your life, He'll receive you and He won't reject you. So somebody, I encourage you this morning, come to Jesus. Make a serious choice to be serious about your walk with God. No longer be ashamed, but serve Him faithfully and boldly. Somebody say Amen. And for those who have chosen the right choice, because Jesus is coming again, Number one, you have a reason for comfort. Concerning the believers that have gone home and your loved ones in the Lord, they're with Him. They're doing better than they were. And He will return and when He does, they'll be with Him. And when you die in the Lord, you'll be absent from the body, you'll be present with the Lord. You have a reason for comfort. Even as you live in a hurting, death-filled world, But you also have a basis for your confidence. Did you notice in verse 14 that Paul says, We believe that Jesus died. He didn't sleep. He died. The basis of all that you and I have, it's not upon my great ability to believe or some kind of inherent goodness. Everything I have is on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done. Who He is. And what He did on Calvary's cross. You have a basis of your confidence that Jesus didn't sleep, but He died. He went to the cross in your place and in my place. He was our substitute. He endured the holy wrath of God. He, he endured that judgment that you and I might be forgiven. He was rejected that you and I would forever be accepted by God and we could walk in the presence of God and know and have peace with the living God. Jesus died and He died in our place. That's where our confidence rise. And we know that He died, but death didn't win. We know that He willingly gave Himself to be beaten and spat upon. But in the end, on that third day, He came up out of that grave, the mighty conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. And you and I today, our confidence is not based on something we've experienced here or something we hope we've achieved over here. My In Christ the Son it rock I stand all other ground I stand alone because Jesus died for me my confidence is in his death burial and resurrection not by works of righteousness would I have done but according to his mercy he saved me through the shed blood of his only begotten son and for that we forever give him praise If you're a believer this morning, you have a reason for comfort. Your loved ones are with the Lord. And when you die, immediately you're in His presence. But you have a basis for your confidence. We stand confidently in Jesus and what He has done. And we rejoice and we receive the triumph of His grace. Number three, you have a cause. We have a cause for joyful expectation. The coming of the Lord is not something we look about with dread or fear. But it's something we long for. It's something we think about with excitement. We're ready to rejoice. For when He comes, we will be changed. And we will forever be with our Lord. We will forever be united with those that have gone before us. We looked at some verses last week. Let's look at one again. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Paul says, behold, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We all won't die. Don't be falling asleep now. Wake up. No. Uh, We we shall not, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Whoo. In a moment, it's going to happen fast. You better be ready. There's no time to get ready. In a moment, like a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. We think about the coming of Jesus as a believer. That gives me a reason for comfort. That gives me a basis for confidence. There gives me a, a cause for a joyful expectation. It gives me a motivation for faithful living. Because everything that Paul is writing about And all that we've studied in the Word of God. It could happen at any time. This is the next event in God's timeline, God's prophetic calendar. Therefore one must be ready. And here Paul writes verse sixteen. And he talks about the coming of the Lord, and he mentions three unique sounds that we'll hear when Christ comes again. He speaks about the shout or the command. He speaks about the sound of a trumpet. He speaks of the voice of the archangel. Look at verse 16 again. For the Lord Himself. He's not sending an angel. He's leading the charge. Amen. The Lord Himself will come down from heaven. He's at the Father's right hand. He's going to come down. With a loud command or a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet call of God. And then the dead in Christ will rise first. Aren't they with the Lord? Yeah, their spirit's with the Lord, but their body's in the grave. And they're going to get united. That spirit and that body is going to become a glorified body. And they're they're going to have their own little reunion there. But let's look at this. The Lord shout. Wow. Wow. When this word is used in Bible days, it always carries the ring of authority and the note of urgency. When Jesus comes, he's going to come with a shout. Think about that. The same voice that spoke the world's into being. The same voice that spoke in the raging seas became calm. The voice that spoke to our hearts when we were dead in sin and awakened us to new life and abundant life. I once was blind, but now I see. The same voice that stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and gave a command and death had no choice but to loose its hold and surrender its prey. But this time, this will be a shout and a command like none other. With such omnipotent authority, with such divine urgency, this time not one grave, but every grave of every believer will burst open wide as Jesus, the mighty conqueror of death, calls forth his own. Can you imagine such a day? Oh my. There's gonna be a shout, and then there's gonna be a sound of the trumpet. The use of trumpets was very familiar in Bible days. For the Jewish people, it would often mean that they were getting ready to declare war and go into battle. You know, the first time Jesus came was like a gentle lamb laying in Bethlehem's manger. But the second time he comes, he'll be as the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah to take his own and to conquer those that have defied him. Because men have rejected the Prince of Peace, they'll experience what John writes in Revelation as the wrath of the lamb revelation six fifteen and 16 this is why we're getting out of here this is why we're getting away from all this there's coming a day those that miss the rapture those that are not living for god when the kings of the earth and the princes the generals the rich the mighty the slave and the free they're going to hide in the caves they're going to hide in the mountains and the rocks What are they afraid of? They'll call out to the mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. There'll be a trumpet call. God's finally going to declare war. The abortion provider will have his day when the Almighty returns. The abuser will finally have a confrontation with the living God. It's coming a day. This is foreign to the Bible teaching in the present hour, but I assure you, it's Bible from cover to cover. That He is holy and He is awesome. And if you reject His mercy, there's nothing left but His judgment. So I occur, I receive His mercy. Make things right with God. Don't sell your life for something so feeble. Trumpets were to declare war in Bible days. Trumpets also were used in the Jewish culture to announce special times and special seasons. And this, of course, will be the beginning of the end. The beginning of that great tribulation. That new season will begin. And trumpets were also used to gather the people of God when they began their journeys. In the Old Testament, when they're in the wilderness, they would declare that trumpet when it was time to break camp and move on. And when that trumpet of Christ goes forth, it's time to break camp. And we're getting out of here. It's a journey that calls the people of God together. And He's taking us to a place where the roses never fade, where the builder and maker is God. Now, the Romans also used trumpets for various reasons. But one thing the Romans would use, they would use trumpets to announce the arrival of a great person. And of course, that trumpet is going to announce the arrival of the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And I don't know what He's going to play. Maybe all hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. Or maybe just something as simple as all hail the power of Jesus' name. But when Jesus returns, there'll be a shout. There'll be a trumpet. And there'll be the voice of the archangel. You know, angels got in on this thing the first time around. They were able to glory to God in the highest. Announce it to shepherds. God's going to let Him in on the second time around. When the angels are coming. His return, a shout, a trumpet, a voice. After all of that, what is it that we can say? Get ready. Don't be left behind. Don't be caught not right with God. Be ready to see Him face to face and give an account for the way you've lived your life. And the goal of every sincere Christian, if you're within the sound of my voice, 1 John 2, verse 28. 1 John 2, verse 28. The goal of every sincere Christian knowing that in any moment, Jesus Christ could return. And if you miss it, folks, you're in a heap of trouble. So now, dear children, John writes to that New Testament church, continue in Him, abide in Him, stay close to Jesus. Don't live off something you did when you were eight years old in VBS. Stay close to Him every day. Their children continuing Him. Why? So that when He appears, and He will appear, like it or not, He's not calling ahead and asking if it's okay to come. He's not going to go ahead and make sure that you, you worked it out. No, He's going to come so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed Before Him at His coming. I encourage you. This is what John encouraged early church. Live in such a way. You continue close to Jesus day in and day out. So that when He does come and He shall come. You'll be confident. You'll be unashamed. You'll be able to face Jesus and look at Jesus. And give an account for your life. And you'll smile upon that life. The revelation. The return. Now, after the dead in Christ, then those which were alive and remain will be raptured. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. Paul writes after that, after the dead in Christ arise, after they're reunited, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them, caught up. That's our word wrap. caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. The rapture. Every living believer that's still alive when Christ comes will be caught up or raptured. The meaning of the word rapture is caught up there. It's the Latin word rapto. That's where we kind of got into our English from the Latin rapto. But after the Lord's command, that dead in Christ rise, then we which are alive, Suddenly, without warning, millions of people will vanish from the earth. Look at that. Can you imagine the effect it'll have on a lost world? Believers are gone. Unbelievers are behind. Pilots are disappearing as they're flying their planes. Surgeons disappear in the middle of surgery. You look for your children, you that are not saved. And they're no longer there. And your believing spouse is gone. Accidents take place as drivers. It's the beginning of the end. The rapture of the church. The dead in Christ rise first. But immediately after that, thinking about old Jerry and Leo mowing the lawn, going by the cemetery across the way. Most of them are believers. That time will come, all of a sudden, the dead in Christ rise first. And before they can register, what did I just... Whew, then they which are alive and remain. And that old tractor is going to keep on going and it can keep on going. The neighbor can have it. We don't need it after that. Amen. <laughs> the word caught up. What we refer to... What we hear the word rapture right there. Caught up. Caught up. Caught up. Greek word for caught up. Greek word for um, this is... Um, used many times in scripture it 's used often in Bible days of Greek. If we look at some of the meanings, it kind of gives us a better understanding of what 's going to happen in that moment when they that are alive are caught up one meaning one meaning for this Greek word is to catch away speedily that 's why it 's going to be a quick thing it 's the word that 's used um, in acts eight and thirty nine where, where Philip had been ministering and he baptized that, that the Ethiopian Treasurer for the queen. And then the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord took him away. And he landed about 20 miles away. This rapture that we talk about will be something that happens speedily. The sudden nature of the rapture. Again, it's what we talked about when Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When we um, are translated from earth to heaven, it'll be in a moment. That's why again, there's no time to get ready. You've got to be ready. These believers will vanish. God will quickly snatch His people. But not only catch away speedily, it also means to carry off or to seize by force. It's used in John 6 and 15 where the crowds wanted to come and make Jesus King by force. They wanted to seize Him by force. It speaks of a suddenness and a forcefulness. It's the word that Jesus uses when He speaks about really possessing the kingdom. And and He says that the violent shall seize it or take it by force. There's a power to it. Why? I don't know. Will the enemy try to hinder this? Possibly. But he doesn't stand a chance. Will some believers have to be almost dragged away like Lot was? I hope not. But this word also speaks carries the idea of force suddenly exercised. This Greek word is often used in Bible days for uh, when someone snatches something or claims something that belongs to him. That's mine, I'll take it. It implies the eagerness that Jesus will come to embrace His own. For the Lord knows those that are His. And this time when He sees the blood, He don't pass over. He's going to snatch them. It's like... Jesus is coming to claim His bride and take them to be with Him forever. Caught up means to catch away speedily, suddenly. To carry off or seize by force. Forcefully in power. To claim for oneself eagerly, Christ will come and take His people home. It speaks about moving to a new place. This is the word used in 2 Corinthians where Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven. And you and I as believers are pilgrims. And strangers in this world. And we're heading to another place. And when that time comes, Christ will take us from here and bring us there. Remember how Jesus said it so beautifully in John 14 and verse 3. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. John 14 and verse 3. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return. And I'll receive you unto myself. And you'll be with me forever. You'll be with me forever. John 14 and verse 3. He's moving us to a new place. And there's also the last thought. It speaks of a rescuing from danger. When the Apostle Paul was going to be torn apart by the crowds in Acts 23, the, the Roman soldiers had to come and rescue him from the riotous crowd. And this word is used, the rescuing from danger. Jesus will come and deliver His people from the wrath that is about to be poured out on the earth before the tribulation. Believers are removed from the earth before the judgment ever begins. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10, it speaks how Jesus saves us. We are waiting for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues, snatches us away from the coming wrath. Think about the rapture of the church. Those of us that are alive when Christ comes. First, the dead in Christ will go. But then immediately after that, every believer will vanish. It'll happen suddenly in the twinkle of an eye. It'll be forceful. Powerful. It'll be Christ coming to claim His own for Himself. To take His bride to be with Him. He'll move us from this place into a better place. And it will rescue us from the danger that is about to come on the earth. Revelation. Return. Rapture. And then lastly, reunion. Reunion. See, verse 18, Paul, he, he writes the reason, the real reason, for this little section of teaching isn't merely just to give us some insight into what's going on, but even more than that, he says, encourage one another with these words. He says, "Understanding this should encourage your faith. It should encourage you about those that have gone before. It should encourage you in how you should live in the present." And I think one of the most beautiful parts of this teaching is the reunion. Look at verse um, seventeen and eighteen again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up, caught up together with them, with them, not just with, the, with them. Who's that? My brothers and sisters have gone before me. And we're going to be in the clouds. We're going to meet the Lord and we will be with the Lord forever. We'll be with them forever. Therefore, verse 18, he says, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other. It's a beautiful word. That word meet there. After that, we're left, we're left together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word meet carries the idea of meeting a royal or important person. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to meet Him. I mean, we've been walking by faith all this time. We're going to see Him face to face. We're going to see Him face to face. And you see, it's going to be a reunion with our Lord. And it's going to be our reunion with the family of God. It's going to be a reunion. It's going to be a glorious meeting. Because we will be changed. That's it. This impatience, this temper gone. Glorified body's coming. Amen? That that bad hip. No more bad hip. Glorified body. It's going to be a glorious meeting and it's going to be an everlasting meeting. From that moment on, forever with our Lord. But secondly, it's going to be a reunion not just with the Lord, but with the family of the Lord. We will not only meet Jesus at the rapture, but we will also be reunited with our believing friends and our loved ones who have died together with them, the Bible says. But you see, this is, um, this is a great handful of verses to encourage the faith of those that are walking in this present hour. You see, death is a great separator, but Jesus Christ is a great unifier, reconciler. What a day that will be. It's closer now than when you first believed. You'll hold that baby in your arms again. You'll embrace that loved one again. That's what the Bible teaches. Now on that day, we'll see Jesus, but along with Jesus. Oh my. Oh my. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. We've all had to do, when you're in the ministry, you have all had to do some baby funerals. Baby funerals. Hard baby funerals. I mean, baby's doing fine, but so much grief. That's supposed to be like that. But I never missed it once. to say, hey, you want to, I'm not going to lie to you. You want to see this baby again? You better live for Jesus. Right. You better serve the Lord. Right. If you do, then you know what? you got eternity to walk and talk. Enjoy all the things you didn't get to enjoy here. You can do that in heaven uh, for a million, zillion years. I'm telling you. That's what the Bible teaches. Amen? Amen. You can talk. They can show you around heaven. It's going to be a wonderful thing. But you better make sure you get in. Now, the comfort of his coming. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Let me encourage you this morning. Number one, be comforted. Concerning those that have died in the Christ, it won't be long. You're going to see him again. You're going to laugh with them again. You're going to cry with them again. You're going to tell stories with them again. Heaven's going to be an awesome thing. Heaven's going to be a wonderful thing. Be comforted. Be strong. though. Be strong. Because Christ is coming. And things won't always be like this. So hang in there. Hold the faith. Keep the faith. Stay faithful. Stay pure. So many are falling away, but you be determined. I'm going to make it. I'm going to keep believing and trusting the Lord regardless. Be comforted. Be strong. And be ready. Be ready. Live ready. Don't be caught. Don't be left behind. Don't be caught lukewarm. Be ready and be working. Be working. Often when Jesus talked about this, he said, be working, be working, be working. Time is short and we all must do our part that they might hear the gospel. We must all do our part that the strays would be brought back so they'll be ready when he comes. We must do what God has called each one of us to do until he comes, until he comes. If you're not ready this morning as we begin to sing the last song and pray the last prayer, I encourage you to come down to the altar and make things right with God. Don't be left behind. Don't be left behind. Say yes to Christ and walk in His grace today. For the rest of us, let's be comforted by this truth. Let's be encouraged to keep doing our part until He calls us home or He comes back to get us. Until then, let us be found faithful. Amen? And if you need prayer for anything else, you come down as we sing. We'll lay hands on you. The Lord will heal you. The Lord will fill you. The Lord will work. Go ahead. Let's stand as we pray. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. That's it. Don't be caught playing games. Don't be caught wondering. Make sure you're ready and live ready. Now is the time to say yes, Lord no more wavering, no more wondering, no more... I'm going to say yes, Lord. I'm going to make the choice to make Jesus my Lord and heaven my home. I'm going to make the choice that I'm going to start getting serious about my walk with God. I'm not going to be casual anymore. I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to play games. This is too serious and too important to lead to that. I'll make up my mind regardless of what others do wife might not want to get on fire I'm going to get on fire friends might not want to be wholehearted they might laugh let them laugh no one's laughing me into hell I'm going to serve the Lord He's been too good He offers too much I get done with this prayer if you're not right please Tom, make it right For those that the loss of the loved ones. You're closer now to being united than ever before. And there's nothing wrong with thinking that way. That's what the Word of God teaches. That's to be a comfort in this present hour. That death is just a little thing. It's just it's not forever. We're going to be united again. So so keep 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 comforting yourself with those words. Amen. And the rest of us, this world needs the gospel that we have. The world needs the gospel that we have. Amen? We've got to do our part. we got to give to missions. We've got to talk to our neighbors. We've got to ask the Lord, Lord, use me on the workforce. Use me on the workforce, Lord. Yes, and any young people are here and God's talking to you about obeying God and going into the ministry, responding to the call. Don't reject Him. They need preachers. We need preachers The laborers are needed to go and carry this gospel. Yes, so be open that God might put His hand on you and use you to preach. Father, we thank You. We love You. Oh God, we thank You for the promise of the coming of our Lord and King. We thank You, Lord, that soon and very soon we're going to see the King. That Jesus is coming. And it will be worth it all. Father, I pray, use us while there is still time to do your works, while there is still time to take your gospel, to touch our world, use us, Lord. Use us in our homes. Use us on the job. Use us, Lord. And Father, help us to live faithfully in this present hour that we will be found ready When you come. Now, Father, let your power fall on this altar. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your power fall on this altar. Let streams of healing flow like the mighty rivers of God. Father, let your power flow. Let lives be changed. Let your name be glorified. Oh, God, breathe your breath of life. And let lives be transformed forever by your power in this service. In Jesus' name and all God's people said these altars are open. If you need a touch from God, come. If you need to make it right, come. Let's believe God and let's receive from God. Hallelujah.